everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. You're here with me, Samrin, today, and and Siler, and we are going to be discussing. Oh my goodness, it's even hard to say this. A third defeat in a row for Bayern Munich. This time it came against Valfel Bochum, great friends of Bayern, of course. And um, it's hard to tell whether Bochum did Bayern a favor today because it was... I'm honestly, at this point, I'm out of words about what to say because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself that for weeks and weeks and months and months, and I feel like since the beginning of the season, we have been saying, so what if this team is winning? You can see it on the pitch there are multiple problems problem after problem after problem this the way they play it's slow it's ponderous and yet pretty much you know we've been ignored all till now and this was coming this has been coming this has been coming for months it is not ironically Bayern looked better when down to 10 this team is not playing for its coach Harry Kane is missing just very just chances that he would he would just gobble up at the beginning of the season, but every single thing seems to have fallen apart. So first of all, let's just look back at the game that was just played out. Bayern, of course, um, lost three two away to Valfel Bochum. Bochum went um, with Riemann in goal. At the, honestly, Bochum like you know there was excellence all over with um, Orman or Dead Schlotterbeck, Bernardo. At the back, I thought Schlotterbeck was fantastic. Anthony Lozea, who's always good. Masovic and Stoger, um, Asano, Brzezinski, and Antria J up front. And Bayern went with Kane up top. In a surprising selection, uh, Chuba Moding playing as kind of a second striker with Muziala and Muller right behind. Goretzka, Kimmich in midfield. Guerrero, Kim, Delict, and Mazrawi at the back with Neuer. But Mazrawi had to be subbed off at the first interruption of play because of it seemed like an injury and Diopamecano came on and um the rest is history but Bayern started well enough with Muziala scoring and it really looked like Bochum were struggling and Bayern was going to have have their way with Bochum as they have had it, they've scored like seven plus goals in the last three out of five games that they've played against Bochum but what happened after that first interruption due to fan protest Siler I want to put this to you because I'm so puzzled even now uh, i think the team honestly just checked out like from the very beginning it seemed like the the team was completely just mentally checked out we had a couple of moments especially from um pretty much the most engaged players today which were leon goetzka thomas muller and jamal musiala those three came together for the goal and just i mean it was completely undynamic the only real build-up we had was down the flanks and then Mazgawi came off and Mazgawi was actually having a fantastic game and once he came off Bayern sort of seemed to revert back to uh, a back three at times. And then Upamecano couldn't quite adapt to the right-back role as well as he probably um, should be expected to as a very creative defender. But it's just bad management from Tuchel. The player positions were not well handled. The only player, I think, who was in the right position today other than the centre-backs and Neuer, obviously, were was Jamal Musiala. He was the only one who was like actually doing things because he was put in the perfect position. He was neither a winger nor uh, a central attacking midfielder. He was sort of in the half space where he excels. But other than that, like, I forgot Chupa Moting was on the pitch for the first 30 minutes. Harry Kane was back to playing as a defensive midfielder. Joshua Kimmich was taking far too long on the ball every time he got it. The centre-backs were being, I mean, completely hustled and harried out of possession. And when they had the ball, they were being pressed like crazy and they had no idea what to do. Because once again... The 
midfielders weren't available. Neuer was a little more mistake prone than we're used to, and the fullbacks weren't available either. This was a game for Alexander Pavlovich, who unfortunately missed out due to a hip injury, and it showed because Bayern had basically no progression unless they were on the break. Yeah, going back to Upamecano and the back four, I'm going to save my Stanisic rant because I just I want to do it so bad, but I'm going to leave it for now because I think we've just beat that drum again and again and again, and. He's not here, and there's not much that can be done about that. But, you know, Sasha Bowie is injured as well and whatnot. And, um, yeah, things are things were not looking great at the back. And the team did check out. I think that first goal was a direct result of Kimmich losing out on um, a one-on-one situation just outside the box before Bochum just progressed and eventually Asano scored. But so this is exactly what happened after... The mini break due to interruptions, you know, tennis balls being thrown, protests against the DFL that have been ongoing in the Bundesliga. Bayern comes out and very soon after, Asano equalizes and it seems Bochum is hungrier and wants it more. And, you know, I can, um, I don't even know what to say about that. But then again, if you have been criticized by your coach constantly again and again and again, and pretty much every player bar Harry Kane has been criticized at some point or the other by Toho, then there's not there's not much you can do. But pretty soon, Bochum found themselves in the lead through Kevin Schlotterbeck. Things would get worse. Upamecano would get sent off. There would be a penalty. And Kevin Stoger would convert. And um, after Matty Tell came on, there was more energy in the game. Tuchel waited forever. I don't know what his vendetta against Matty Tell is, but that kid is brilliant. He always plays with all his heart. On the pitch, he's just dynamic. He's fast. Apparently, he's looking for a move away from the club, but he he managed to just set up a chance for Harry Kane that Harry Kane could not miss, even on a day where Kane was just not very good. Um, it finished 3-2. It stayed like that, with Bayern making a push, Sané missing a few golden opportunities. But, you know, this is once, even before Kevin Stoger's penalty went in, I thought even when... Schlotterbeck's header goes in and it's 2-1. I thought that was the end for Bayern. You just knew this team has no fight. This is not Hansi Flick's Bayern who would fight back from two goals down to win 5 or 6-2. This is not Nagelsmann's Bayern who had more solutions. And there was not a total, um, I guess, collapse as far as the coaching situation was concerned. But this is just, this is incredible. It is three losses on the bounce. It's the first time that it has happened to Bayern since 2015, that leaves Bayern eight points behind Bayern Leverkusen. But it is not forward. It is behind that Bayern should look because Stuttgart is only four points behind and and Bayern plays Leipzig next week. So, Ryan, before moving on from this to a larger discussion about Tuchel, what were your overall impressions of this game? And, um, and do you think this was down to tactics? This was down to player morale? What did this match eventually come down to? Both. Everything. It's garbage uh, man management it is garbage tactical coaching uh i mean we've called Tuchel's tactics poor we've called them ineffective we've called them not in line with Bayern munich's philosophies they were all of that and more today it, there there is no other word for it than garbage it's i can't understand how a professional coach who's been in the game and who's been successful before can come out with a lineup like this and it's not the first time i'm saying this this season it is tragic how badly Thomas Tuchel has managed this team. And I mean, this game is, it's the nadir of it. 
the horrible lineup selection from the off. Like you could look at the lineup and immediately saw, say, "Oh no, we're losing this game." And it showed on the pitch. The players were checked out. The players clearly did not agree with the tactics. And the only time we showed any spark was when players took matters into their own hands because Bayern did not know how to build up. Bayern did not know how to break down a low block. Bayern did not know how to even counter effectively, which is meant to be one of Tuchel's strengths. And it is definitely one of the squad's strengths because we have players like Musiala, Kane, Zane, Muller. These are all players who excel on the break. And it just didn't happen. And it's not like Bochum were helpless. It's not like Bochum were completely out of the game. Like They had some fantastic performances. But the fact that this is happening every week, Bayern is struggling to break down teams every week, twice a week, every game that we come into, it's clearly the coach's fault. Whether the players are not motivated or not, it's the coach's responsibility to light a fire under their asses and be like, yo, we have a job here. Let's do it properly. And it's not happening because the midfield is disconnected because Tuchel doesn't know how to manage central progression. The fullbacks are being hounded because Tuchel is putting too many responsibilities on them and build up and they're not able to handle it unless it's someone like Mazawi, who's a technical expert. And even he, even he had to come off after 30 minutes because of an injury. The attack doesn't know where to do that, what to do. There's just free roaming all around. Harry Kane doesn't get the ball unless he's dropping beyond the midfield line. There, there is no direction at all at the club. There's no direction. There is no passion, etc., etc. We all know the, the famous words that came out of angry Rantman's mouth, uh, mouth a few years ago. That That is precisely what's happening here. You know, um, Let's just let's just go back to Tuchel's complete lack of clues on how to fix this because every single time, every single time that there has been a monumental defeat this season, so Leipzig, whether that be Leipzig, whether that be Leverkusen, um, Lazio, today, Frankfurt, Tuchel comes out and he says he generally doesn't know what has happened and that there's some there that that things go well in training and they just don't translate on the pitch. Okay. Keeping that in mind, there was there were rumors that if if Bayern lost to Bochum, that would be the end of Tuchel. However, however, before we go into that, there are two incidents that I do want to um, mention. The first one is right at the final whistle. Apparently, there was a um, scuffle between Joshua Kimmich and Zotlo, one of um, Tuchel's assistants, and Jan Christian Driesen was questioned after the game was he he had an interview after the game and he was asked about Tuchel. So he was asked Tuchel's still in charge next week. And he said, of course, do you think this is just pie in the sky, uh, Siler, or do you think they're actually somehow beyond explanation, keep a lame duck coach around who's going to keep losing for eternity? It seems. What do you think? I think we have no option, but to keep Tuchel until the end of the season, because we have no proper replacement for him and any replacement that would go beyond the summer will only be available in the summer. So as much as I hate it, we have to keep Tuchel until the end of the season. Also because he's built a squad, well, he's not built a squad, but he's built about a third of a squad that is precisely according to his principles. And to bring in another coach, it's just going to mess things up even more. It might get the better out of players who are more comfortable on the ball, like Delek, Mazrawi, Muziala, Müller. But that's a risk. It's a bigger risk than letting Tuchel go. But I, I just, I don't... I mean, there's reports now coming out about Tuchel's future being discussed. Of course, Fabrizio Romano came through um, a few minutes ago as of recording 
about Tuchel's future being discussed by the president and the board. And the reason also came out with a fantastic quote, which was simply, I'm feeling shitty. And I think I think that's that's a perfect encapsulation of how everyone feels right now. To hear the CEO say that in a proper interview, I think that's doesn't get any more accurate than that. I'm going to disagree with you here. I think keeping Tuchel right now at the club is a huge risk. I tell like, look, we can we can talk about Kimmich's some of Kimmich's not so great abilities. He's not he's not the most press resistant player. We all know that. We can talk about Goretzka having bad days. We can talk about any number of players whose whose contract negotiations are about to get underway. But rest assured that if Tuchel stays until the end of the season, we will lose about half our squad. They will be gone. Why should they trust a board that does not back them up? Bayern Munich has always been a club, always, where player power has come before the manager. And you know what? Based on the success of this club and based on its history, I don't think I don't think it's the worst thing to do. So it doesn't matter. Literally, it literally doesn't matter who's in the dugout. Bayern can promote the coach of Bayern too. Bayern can um, look for an interim um Replacement. Bayern can bring in Hansi Flick for a few months if necessary. I don't know that Bayern will go down that route, but to me, it seems like the safest option. It just the, look Alonso. Um, whether it's that whether Bayern have their eyes on Chappy Alonso, and I actually don't think that's a good idea. But we'll get into that. And whether Bayern have their eyes on Jurgen Klopp right now, staying with Tuchel means losing out on Champions League money, means team morale being at an all-time low means that we will lose half the squad and it will take a lot of money to replace them. It is much easier to work on Kimmich and improve his skills rather than to sell him and see him go to Man City because Pep is, you can rest assured that Pep is keeping a close eye on that situation. It is Tuchel's job to get the best out of his players and protect their weaknesses. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Sarah, this is way back. Um, when Schweinsteiger and Tony Cruz used to play together in defensive mid, um, or Schweinsteiger and Luis Gustavo combination in 2012, there was a weakness there, and the midfield, the defensive mid was not sturdy enough. So to protect Schweinsteiger's kind of, I, I wouldn't say that Schweinsteiger was not a sturdy player. He was very, very, he was very, very strong. But to get somebody to just shield him a little bit, Bayern went out and got Javi Martinez, and that worked. So I think. Our players are in fair in need of a bit of protection. Our players are in need of someone who maximizes their skills because I don't I don't care who tells me what. Bayern should not be losing to Bochum. It's one thing to get thrashed by Leverkusen. It's another to lose to Bochum in the way that they did. Just Bayern kind of got torn apart today. And I know the stats will say otherwise, but the way that Bochum were making inroads again and again and again, the scoreline could have been worse. And at this point, it doesn't even matter. So let's work off the assumption that Bayern actually goes out and replaces Tuchel now. Who could take over in the meantime, you think, Siler? I think the problem is the timing because we're entering the crucial phase of the season and I don't think any coach that would be a viable long-term option is looking to um, move ship at this stage of the season. Bayern obviously had a great opportunity uh, in hindsight. I mean, not even in hindsight. I mean, on the day... We all said it was a horrible decision to sack Nagelsmann at such a crucial stage of the season. But even then, like there was the option of a top coach like Thomas Tuchel, even if he didn't fit. But we don't even have that level of option right now because pretty much every top coach is 
you know, settle down and getting ready for the crucial phase of the season. If we bring in someone, it is going to have to be someone who's sort of waiting in the wings of the fringes of football. Someone like a Hansi Flick, someone like, um, I mean, I want to throw out the name Woody Vola because he is fantastic. He showed that he still has a managerial announce with his one game in charge for Germany, in which Germany looked the best that they have in the last four years. But I don't see him moving from the DFP anytime soon. And honestly, just getting any interim, like even Charles Love would probably do a better job than Tuchel is right now because Charles Love doesn't have the name that Tuchel does and he'd probably be willing to adapt. But I I don't see anything beyond keeping him until the summer and then hopefully getting Sebastian Hernas or, I mean, even tempting, you know, Jurgen Klopp to the club because Jurgen Klopp would change everything and revolutionize the club. But I, there, there just seems to be no real option for me right now. Uh, do you have any names? that Because I'm I'm drawing blanks. I mean, I'm all for Flick. I think Flick would be a great caretaker option right now. Beyond that, we'll see. But he, there's something, Flick isn't that old school set of managers like Ancelotti and Zayden Zidane where um, tactics come second and player management kind of comes first. He's, it, that's not to say that Flick is poor tactically. He's certainly not. The one way that his Bayern played was the best way that Bayern has played for what, four seasons now. But I think you need a calming presence in the dressing room after Tuchel. And somebody like Flick, Flick is free. Flick is, like you said, on the fringes of football. Flick is there. Just bring him in. I don't think Rudy Voller is a bad option either. A lot of the players do know him. So as far as options for next season, again, I'm going to say Flick. But let's start with a few potential discussions. Let's start with Chabi Alonso. What are your thoughts on Chabi Alonso becoming Bayern manager next season? Silent. Fantastic manager, perfect fit. Give him a transfer window to clear things out. Yes, big yes. If we can get him, throw all the money in the world at him. I know you disagree with that. I want to hear your side of this. Very much, very much disagree with that. First of all, I actually think he's going to stay at Labor Queen. He's a very smart guy who doesn't make moves when it's not the right time. He's very, very young in his managerial career and not much has gone wrong for him. Yes, he took over the Leverkusen side that was like bottom of the table, but not that much has gone against him so far he's at Leverkusen where he's left at peace to work Leverkusen's fan base is not that big Leverkusen is one of what two or three exceptions to the 50 plus one rule in the Bundesliga well you know I had Leipzig in mind but that's a whole other story so I think this is not the right move for Chabi Alonso right now just like Leipzig to Bayern was too quick a leap for Nagelsmann I think Chabi Alonso needs a few more seasons of experience under his managerial belt before he walks into the cauldron that is the Bayern job. This does not mean that I don't think he wouldn't be great. I think tactically, he would know exactly what works at this club. He has played at this club before. He's been immensely successful in his career. He would know what to do. Not now. I would give it a few more seasons. If Liverpool comes and takes him, let that be. I also think it would be a mistake for Liverpool to hire him because it's very difficult to follow in Klopp's footsteps. And while taking over at Bayern is a slightly different scenario, actually a lot different scenario because there's just so much angst about Tuchel and literally there will be relief and love for anybody who replaces Tuchel. That will not be the case at Liverpool where like, where there's just going to be a stern eye on him. I like Alonso. I think he's one for the future. I don't think he's ready. I kind of disagree with the Nagelsmann comparison because I think Nagelsmann came at the right time. 
I just think the board was a little too stingy about it. And of course, in the end, he was dismissed far too early because he was only in his second season and Bayern looked like pretty much the strongest team in Europe, even when he was dismissed. So uh, I have to disagree about that. I think he had, if he had one more season, he definitely would have delivered a Champions League for us. But um, I agree with your points about Jabi Alonso. He is far too early in his coaching career to take on such a big job traditionally, but I think Jabi Alonso sort of he just has the mind for these kinds of things. And he's already used to top level pressure. It's not like he wasn't exposed to top level pressure. He played for three of the most successful clubs of all time and he was a central figure in all of those. And I think he can translate that into coaching very well. He might be pressure free right now and he'll definitely have a lot more um looks over his shoulder, so as to say at Bayern Munich. But he could definitely handle that. I think he's got the mental coolness for it. I said it when he joined the Bundesliga for the first time, you know, in retrospect, that the Bundesliga was not ready for Xabi Alonso. And that held true again when he became a manager for Leverkusen. And I think he could apply those principles because the the thing with the Thomas Tuchel right now is the situation here is he is fundamentally incorrect for Bayern and also he does not get the fundamentals of Bayern. Those are two separate things. The way Bayern Munich play is missing some very fundamental aspects of football. And if you want to implement those, you need a coach who implements those heavily in his football. And when you look at those options, you do come up with three options, which are Xabi Alonso, Sebastian Hernas, and Hansi Flick, two which we've already discussed. But I think Sebastian Hernas is the, he's the fly in the ointment. He's the sort of the will they, won't they, is this an option? Is this not an option? Sort of out there option. But I, I, I think he might be the man for the job because Flick may not want to come back and Alonso may not want to come at all. But I think Hernes would be very ready to come in, in the summer. I like Sebastian Hernes a lot. However, I'm also going to say no to that one. Um, when he was at Hoffenheim, uh, toward the end, they had um, they had this you know massive losing streak. And some people disagreed with his sacking at Hoffenheim. But one of the problems was that he had lost control of the dressing room. So basically... He was apparently a bit aloof, a bit, um, you know, kind of like in his head, the whole Nagelsmann thing, similar problems that Nagelsmann had in, at Bayern. But Honus actually basically lost the dressing room there, which did not happen with Nagelsmann. Not totally. But yeah. So with Honus, again, I think Stuttgart is a big job. I think Stuttgart is a really good job. Again, I don't know. If I'm willing to throw the throw Sebastian Honus into the ring right now, I just I'm just racking my brain for stable stabilizing uh for stabilizing influence on this club right now. And aside from Flake, the only other name that comes to my head is Klopp. And Klopp is not going to take a job in the next year. And Klopp, I don't think, will ever, ever take the Bayern job. What do you think, Siler? Is there a chance that Klopp might take the Bayern job in the long run? In the long run, sure. But yeah, no, right now it seems like he wants to take a break from management altogether. I think we're definitely at a an impasse with how we approach the management position. I'm looking at it purely from an on-field perspective. But of course, you have to look at the fact that the coach will be scrutinized by the media and by the players. But I, I think Nagelsmann definitely didn't lose the dressing room as much as he gained its trust by the end. Because, I mean, if you go back to those PSG games, the entire locker room was behind him and he was one with them. And I can't remember the Bayern squad ever looking that united. Even in the Flick era, I guess maybe it's because Nagelsmann's squad was a lot bigger that it felt like almost an army going to war. But that, that 
the the sheer vibe and aura of it was it was something else. I don't think he ever really lost the dressing room. He may have had some issues with individual players, but as a unit, they were all behind them. I do think Sebastian Hernas is far too green for the job. He would have problems with dealing player egos, but uh, he's just he seems too perfect tactically because he implements fundamentals so well in his game. He's taken a Stuttgart team that just knows how to play football decently, and he's elevated them to such a high level. But yeah, no, the points about media handling and player handling are very important to consider. At this point, the only real options seem to be trying to pluck someone from one of the top clubs in Europe. And that doesn't seem likely because everyone sort of seems to be either settled or building a project for the long term. The only real option I can give is Ancelotti, and that's not going to happen. Please, God, no. Maybe Xavi, like, if we really want to seem desperate, I would not. I mean, I take Xavi over Tuchel, but as a long-term option, absolutely not. Let's talk about Nagelsmann. So I, I want to mention a few things about Nagelsmann. I had no problem with Nagelsmann getting fired. Absolutely not. The results at that point um, overall had not had not been convincing enough to keep Nagelsmann around because of his constant experimenting. However, I do want to say that the first time I really started thinking about giving Nagelsmann a solid chance and really believing in him was, was the second leg of that PSG tie. Bayern played so well. Stanisic had a brilliant game, and that was Nagelsmann's decision. Let's put this kid out there. He can deal with Mbappe. And what a brilliant decision it was. It was tactically, it was a tactically well-done game. And I thought it was very unfortunate to fire him after Leverkusen because Chabi Alonso's Leverkusen can do a thing or two, as we have seen. And to fire him after after the win against PSG because the treble was in danger. In hindsight, it really seems like some nonsense. Um, at the same time, like I got that Bayern thought Tuchel was in the market, but even when someone's in the market, then even even then, you gotta at least interview them first. It feels like Tuchel got this job without a job interview because ask him to name five Bayern players at the top of his head he likes, and he wouldn't be able to name them. So it is that sacking looks worse and worse and worse by the minute. Now that I look back on it, I think. I, I don't, again, don't disagree with it. The timing was wrong. You b- decided to believe in a coach for five seasons and you didn't even give him two. Wait, if Bayern had waited for the end of the season, and let's say Nagelsmann had flamed out and he had, you know, he would suffer a massive defeat against City in the quarterfinals, get knocked out by Freiburg, as Tuchel did, and be on the verge of losing the Bundesliga to Dortmund, okay. Or having had lost the Bund- uh, Bundesliga to Dortmund, I get it. But now... It almost feels like Bayern's one viable option may actually be Julian Nagels because he's done with Germany after the Euros. Which again brings me to this strange question. Do you think that Bayern might do a U-turn on Julian Nagelsmann, Simon? I really hope they do. But the reason I didn't bring him up is because I don't know if Nagelsmann would be willing to come back. I I mean, I would love to see it happen. Nagelsmann is my favorite manager. I think I've said this for a while. The 2022 transfer window was a, a dream come true for me because my favorite player joined my favorite club and he was going to be managed by my favorite manager. So it all just sort of came together for me. So for me to see Nagelsmann come back and get a second chance would be something special. But I just don't know if Nagelsmann wants to. The sacking is so recent. I know we've had coaches come and go in the past. Your Pankus obviously is a, is a big one. And the fact that the board has changed would be a big plus point. 
but I just don't see him wanting to come back anytime soon because of how unceremoniously he was sacked. And I will say that Leverkusen game, not his fault. The only two goals that Bayern conceded were both penalties, one of which arguably shouldn't have been given. So I really don't see how that Leverkusen game was the one that got him sacked. Going back to that Leverkusen game, actually, Bayern looked so tired. It was after the World Cup. And I really like I really think it was the World Cup that did um that did Nagelsmann in because Bayern was playing flawlessly before the World Cup. They had been what six or eight wins on the bounce. They had destroyed Werder Bremen and some really brilliant matches just before the um break. And then the World Cup happens. He loses nowhere. Half the team morale is down. They come back looking like a shadow of themselves. Lose to Gladbach, get a last minute draw against Cole. It's it just downhill from there. And he managed to steady the ship. But Bayern, I think the problem with Bayern is actually let me just throw this out there and let me see what you actually think of this either the season so before before Nagelsmann was hired Bayern had essentially a pretty perfect manager in Flick there are very few player uh, there are very few coaches who Lewandowski loved and he truly truly loved Flick and he mentioned that in an interview too about how Flick I think felt like a father figure to him or something along the lines but it's Bayern went from an essentially world beater team. Even with what happened in 2021, the the tiredness of the players, Bayern um, losing to PSG and away goals and whatnot, Bayern was just still so brilliant. And then they decided all of a sudden we need to hire a manager for a project. But, but this club wasn't a project. So even if they hired Nagelsmann, I think they hired Nagelsmann with the expectation, with the wrong expectations, or probably with just kind of muddy expectations. Handed him a five-year contract. He's the future of the game. He's going to be brilliant. But Nagelsmann was always going to change things coming in. And it wasn't so much the football that Bayern was playing that left to Flick leaving, it was essentially disagreements with uh, Salihamidzic over players who can come in. And again, the only player he got was Dantas on loan. So let's not get into that. As far as Timo Werner is concerned, I'm probably the only one who's going to say it, but I'm actually curious to see what Flick might have done with him at Bayern. It would have been interesting to see it. Um, Then Zane came in around that period too. Flick never wanted Zane. So Zane just started off on the wrong footing with his club. Flick leaves. And now here's this essentially different manager who's supposed to be who's supposed to be working on a project. And so he experiments and then finally he realizes, guess what? Bayern already has its pieces, right? Like I should just stop experimenting and I should go with what works. And he did. Muller came back into the side. Bayern played really well. And then they lost to Leverkusen and he went skiing. So I just think the decision making hasn't been clear since the departure of and that's when things really started to go wrong it's not so much the hiring of Nagelsmann but the terms under which he was hired and the expectation what are your thoughts Sadler? yeah no I have to agree with that I think the second Nagelsmann figured out what actually makes the squad tick um after I should mention the crucial absence of Nusay Mazrawi uh Nagelsmann had to experiment again that's where we saw somewhat of a, a drop-off we kind of had these periods where Bayern would slow down a bit and it usually came when a crucial piece was missing because post-World Cup, Nuzay Mazrawi was out of action and he was a key part of the team because he would invert and essentially allow Goretzka to go further forward. But he found his footing, yeah, with the, the dual eights, which is a fantastic tactical innovation, I might I just say, because it's actually what inspired Pep Guardiola's midfield box and later Roberto De Zerbi's midfield box. You can see those sort of the tactical movements that Nagelsmann made 
they were all sort of just moving the pieces around to adapt to the team. And it's what Tuchel has completely failed to do is adapt the tactics to the players. He's trying to adapt the players to the tactics and it's not working. But yeah, Bayern's terms under which they signed Nagelsmann, just they, they didn't seem right once the season went on. Obviously, when he came on, there was this whole excitement of, you know, he's going to change things around here. And he did change things. It would dip for a bit. It would become positive again. Sort of a, an overall positive delta. But the board got impatient. The board got heavily impatient on a five-year contract, which seems paradoxical. And now we're here one year later, wondering how we failed so magnificently. Yeah, it's the, the decision-making from what is usually... Of course, there was some changes with Khan and Brazo and all that, but it's just, it's mind-boggling. But, you know, we also, I guess we also got to look forward. And also, just as a little news, Bayern have decided to cancel Tuchel's post-match press conference. Huh. I find that very, very interesting, and I don't know what to make of it, but, you know, we will see. Do you think Bayern actually has any options in mind right now? Because I'm sure they've seen this coming with the week that Bayern has had. I mean, I'm sure they keep an eye on the market. They wouldn't be a top football club if they weren't always looking at options. But I feel like one of the main reasons that Tuchel is still around is the fact that we don't really know who to replace him with. And I think that that's pretty much the biggest factor in what's keeping Tuchel around is a lack of options. I think, in theory, and I've, I've said this many times, but I don't think I've said this on record any semi-professional level coach will do a better job than Thomas Tuchel is doing right now simply because Thomas Tuchel does not respect the way Bayern is meant to be played and he does not respect the squad. He's trying to bend the entire club to his will and it's not going to work. That would, at minimum, take five to six years, which ironically makes him a project manager. And it, I mean, it's just not going to work because even if you bring in, you know, a Zweite Bundesliga coach... That coach knows how Bayern are meant to play. He knows how these players are meant to play. And he will set them up in a way that uses their strengths rather than trying to force his own way upon the players. When you know the players play a certain way and you force them to play a different way, they are obviously going to fail. That is like rule number one of coaching is don't mess with your players' natural play styles. It's not going to work. And so, based on this entire discussion and maybe... um. You know, Nagelsmann not wanting to return, Flick not wanting to return. Let's get back to Tuchel again, because it seems that according to Twitter or X, that Tuchel will stay on as Bayern Munich coach. This is uh, unprecedented, I think, that a coach has lost three games on the bounce to not particularly strong opponents. And the Bundesliga has, of course, not been decided. And... uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm absolutely speechless here, Tyler. I I actually don't know what to say. But let's just go back to uh, to the board and Tuchel staying on. Can things turn around this season while he's still manager? No. So where do we go from here? Because Bayern plays Leipzig next week, and Tuchel. I don't think has beaten Leipzig. Lost the first one last year in May. Lost, the, or was it April? Lost the second one in the Super Cup. Drew the third time in the league this season. Let's actually talk about how Leipzig might play out. What do you think, Siler? How will Leipzig play out? Leipzig are going to dominate. Leipzig are going to completely tear apart Tuchel. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 4-1, 3-0 sort of game. It's going to be murder. 
because Leipzig are very fluid. Leipzig have midfielders and attackers who love changing positions, and Tuchel's marking system is non-existent for the most part, outside of maybe having Kim sit on the big number nine, which gets ignored a lot of the time because the big number nine basically knows how to move around to say that to basically move Kim around and Tuchel ends up abandoning that within the first 15 minutes. There will be no defensive structure for this. Leipzig are far too fluid. You need zonal marking. Well, not, I mean, not zonal marking. That's a that's an outdated term. But I mean, you need defenders who have a sense of space. And while our defenders do have a sense of space, Tuchel's tactics inhibit that. And I just, I don't see us winning this at all. This could be an embarrassing game because... While Leipzig might be more inconsistent than Leverkusen, they have a ceiling that is pretty much as high as Leverkusen's in terms of talent and potential. They have a coach who knows how to exploit weaknesses, probably more than Xabi Alonso, because while Alonso might just have cleaner fundamentals, Rosa is known as a fantastic game planner. I don't see Bayern winning this at all. I think we're in for a Xabi Simmons masterclass. Falling from a Danny Olmo one uh, last year. But going back to Marco Rosa, I just, I, I have reasons to not like Marco Rosa. But when he was, the last time that Gladbach was any good, he was their manager. So I can't, ever since he left, it's felt like relegation fight after relegation fight while not really being in the relegation zone every single season. So yeah, watching Gladbach is just like a knife to your heart these days. But I think so, too. I think Marco Rosa is a very, very good manager, but I don't think you need to be manager of the year right now to beat Bayern, which brings me to Lazio. Do you think Bayern will overcome that 1-0 deficit in the second leg? No. It's as simple as that. No. I don't think so, either. The players have essentially stopped playing for the manager, and that that is what underlies everything at the end of the day. But let's actually go to two players. Let's go to Leroy Zane first. Why do you think Tuchel left him on the bench today when he has been insistent on running Zane into the ground? I think it was down to the systemic change. I think he believed that Mullah and Musiala would work better together than Zane and Musiala. And I think while that is true in the way Tuchel plays, in reality, Zane and Musiala is the most deadly combination, maybe even in all of world football. We saw it under Julian Nagelsmann. These two were playing chess while the rest of the pitch was playing checkers. It was ridiculous watching the kind of exchanges these two would exchange, the kind of passing movements, the way they'd float between the lines, the fact that they could do it all individually, but they chose to do it together. That's your most dangerous combination. But I think Tuchel is insisting on Muller now, and I think he's almost putting Muller and Zane in the same position, almost as a sort of combative, um, who's going to partner with Musiala sort of thing. And it won't work. It will not work. The 4-2-3-1 is better than the 4 triple 2 Maybe not for Musiala, but for the entire team, the 4-2-3-1 is better. And I think we're definitely missing a third creator there because Trupo Moting was invisible. For the first 30 minutes, I don't think he got a touch on the ball. I forgot he was playing. Actually, genuinely forgot he was playing. It just doesn't seem right. Zane is lost, basically, in the 4 triple 2 I think he has a role. But I think Tuchel doesn't recognize that role. I think Zane's best role was early on in the season where he was the wild card. But now Tuchel is trying to structure the team far too much and Zane doesn't fit in those plans beyond just his individual brilliance, which we saw again today. He missed a couple chances, but he also created some chances out of pretty much nothing. And it wasn't because Tuchel instructed him to play a certain way. It's because he got the ball and he said, all right, I'm going to make something happen. And he made something happen. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that. But just... Talking about Zane, 
he's what is it? This is his fourth season of Bayern. Let's see. Twenty one was when he came. Twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Yeah. So this is his. Do you think that Zane? Um, actually, no. Let me put a broader question to you. What do you think of Zane's tenure at Bayern since he moved from City? Uh, mercurial. I think that's the best way to put it. I think he's had uh three periods where he was Bayern's best player. Two of those, just the best player in the world outright, not just at Bayern. But those were such limited periods. They were just like three, four months at a time. And then for the rest of the season, he just doesn't seem to know what to do. It seems like this season, he's a lot more motivated than he has been in previous seasons to try and continue that record. But it's not happening. He is not really able to capture that magic once again. I think... When he's on song, especially in those September, October, November months, he looks like he was a bargain for 45 million and 20 million per year wages. But then at other times, he just looks like a burden. It's so up and down that you can't really put a pin or you can't really put a line under his time at Bayern Munich because that you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, when, when Zane moved in 2020, right after everything had been won by Flick's side, there was a... And I remember he started in Schalke in that first in that first game that Bayern played to open the season and it finished 8-0. And it was just so nice. But I think the circumstances surrounding Zane have been all wrong from the get-go. Flick didn't want him. Let's start there. Number two, putting him on those high wages was essentially just... I don't know what the club was thinking. And I don't even know if the club needed Zane. So... Between all that, I think Zane's kind of motivation, if anything, took a hit in that first season. And the world-class and consistent player that we know he has the potential to become, he just never was it. And now with team morale at an all-time low, I literally, I think even under Klinsmann, when the players were devising their own tactics, like team morale was not this low. But the team morale being so low, definitely impacts Sane and I feel for him to an extent but sometimes he just doesn't help his own cause but from Zane let's actually go to Harry Kane I need no name recently published an article talking about if Harry Kane asking if Harry Kane is part of the problem at Bayern and just today Kane just wasn't there what has happened with Harry Kane I know he has to drop deeper and deeper and deeper to pick up the ball but even his finishing has been subpar do you think it's a confidence thing with Harry Kane? What is going on there? I don't think it, I think it is mental, not confidence specifically, but yeah, no, it is definitely mental. The whole squad is at an all-time low, as you said. The morale just is not there, and I think it is definitely affecting player performance beyond just the fact that you know we're not getting things done. I think some crucial decisions are missing. Kane definitely missed the finishing touch today. He did get one goal, but I mean, you could put me in that position. I'd score that goal even with my broken ass leg. But uh, there just seems to be a big mental issue happening right now with the entire attack, really, where even when we create something, the team almost panics that, oh my God, we've created a chance and then we fluff it. And that that seems to be what's happening now. And I think it's definitely affecting to a Kane as well. It's more a case of panic that, oh, I'm in this situation now and, oh, I've been here before. What do I do? What do I do? Rather than a case of uh, he's not confident anymore. I think Kane definitely has confidence and abilities. He's in his prime now. He's been in a top level for, I think, well, when was 2015? Eight, eight, nine years ago now. So I don't think it's a confidence issue more than it is a case of just panic when he's in those positions. I feel for Kane. This is one of the transfers that I definitely wanted to go through so badly. And I feel like Kane would have been perfect for Nagelsmann's second season. But here we are. And let's actually go back to Chupamoting. 
who was completely absent today, who had a brilliant season when Nagelsmann was in charge. I just, and I don't, I guess Chupo Moting is one of those who you can look at and who just have an instant impact no matter what. And these days Chupo comes on, or even when he plays for the start, he's just completely invisible. Why choose Chupo ahead of Matisse Tell in this game, Siler? Who knows? Tuchel definitely has some sort of reason, but it it's baffling to me that Matisse Tell was on the bench today because the second he came on, Byron had en- energy. And that's not a one-off thing. Every time he's come on, he's shown energy. I think he's had a shot or a shot on target every time he's come off the bench. And that includes all of his three-minute cameos, his four-minute cameos. It is baffling that he is still a bench player because he should be starting every game for us, especially since Kingsley Coman is out with an MCL injury. I do not know what Tuchel is thinking there. I just want to backtrack on something that we said a few minutes ago about Zane fulfilling his quote-unquote potential. I think we have to remember that Zane, Gretzka, Kimmich, Gnabry, these are no longer young players. They're 28, 29 years old. They don't have potential to fulfill. They are meant to be at their top level right now. And the fact that they're not fulfilling that simply means they're not as good as we thought they were. I think that has to be considered. There's no longer a fulfillment of potential that is forthcoming. It has to happen now or never because they're not going to get any better than they are right now. They're only going to age further. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just going to pull out my Nicholas Fulcrook card here and say, hey, look, he hit his prime at 29. Lewandowski's best season at Bayern was at, what, 31, 32? Just the 41-goal season? That was when he was 32, no? That was, but he was playing a far different role to the ones we see in wingers. True. Wingers don't really last as long as like a, a target man striker. That's Those true. guys do tend to have their best years in their early 30s. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I didn't even realize, because just because of how long we have been talking about Leroy Zani's potential that he's 28 years old. It's yeah, but a, I, yeah. I, I will say this. I will say this. Aryan Robin was 30 and Frank Ribery was 31 when they won their one and only Champions League title. So it's not like time is not on their side, but patience is running up. I think we do have to remember that Ribery and Robin were f- much further along in their careers age-wise than we think of them as. Because when we think of the prime of a winger, we usually think, you know, 27 to 30, but Robin and Ribery, they were past 30 when they had their best years. So there is still time maybe, but I feel like the amount of complacency around the squad, I just don't see them growing when they're in their 30s. You know, I go back to um, Ribery and Robin, and I think the difference between them and Zane was that there was a level of consistency about both Ribery and Robin, even before they kind of went into their best years. Robin's first season was very consistent. So was Ribery's. Yes, what Robin did in 2012, missing crucial penalty. You know, the less said about that, the better. But in terms of their scoring, in terms of chances they created, they were much more consistent than any of the wingers that we have on board now. But let's talk about that complacency piece. If the squad has grown complacent why do you think that is or is this simply a case of Tuchel not being able to motivate the squad I think it's a case of both I will say that the squad looked very motivated towards the end of Nagelsmann's reign but I think that it is not something that is purely on Tuchel because a lot of this squad enjoyed massive success when they were in their early to mid-20s let's not forget Kimmich, Gretzka, Gnabry, Coman these guys were 24 when they won a Champions League title that is insane. And they were all key parts of their team. Afonso Davies was 19. Um, Nicolas Zula, although he's gone now, he was also, I think, 25, 26 when he won this Champions League. These are all players who have had success already. 
they've done everything they can do at a club level. So there is, I think, an air of, you know, we've done this before. Do we really need to do it again? But that doesn't apply to players like Leroy Zane. He looks hungry. He looks far more hungry than the other players. And I think it shows because he wasn't part of that Champions League winning squad. But the fact that they're not really willing to push on and continue and get better, despite, you know, there being numerous players who have done that. And I think that is really what's missing, is the hunger for something new. I think these players are motivated to keep the club at a top level, but they're not motivated to win titles. And those are two different things, unfortunately. So I just, I think it's the early successes that have sort of gone to their heads. It's funny you mentioned that because the 2013 team had the backdrop of 2010 and 2012 on their shoulders, particularly 2000. The 2001 team had 1999 on their backs. So those wins, those Champions League wins came after such tragic defeats that there was just, there was always hunger. There was no room for complacency ever. Whereas the 2020 victory kind of just came out of nowhere. When Kovac was getting sacked, nobody really expected that, especially after after Bayern had just turned up against Liverpool and not really turned up. Yes, Kimmich and Muller were absent, which just made for a world of a difference. But that was one of the worst performances easily that Bayern has put out in the Champions League. And these guys just kind of won everything really early. But that kind of brings me to Kimmich. Where do you think his future lies? Pep Guardiola. Wherever he is, I I think in the end, Kimmich is destined to end up with Pep Guardiola, and I think he's destined to win a Ballon d'Or under Pep Guardiola. That just seems like his career trajectory. It's all gonna come together for him eventually. Man, a Ballon d'Or! You're really going there, Sider. Uh, Pep. Well, Kimmich was Pep's guy. Do you see him leaving at the end of the season? Um, that's difficult to say. I think if not now, then it'll definitely be when he's past thirty. But now seems more likely than ever. With Tuchel staying on now, and obviously if he's staying on after three consecutive defeats, I'm pretty sure he will stay on until the end of the season. Um, I have to ask, which of the players in the squad do you think will stay, if any? Except for, of course, Neuer, Buller, the rest. And who do you think is headed for the door? I think Gretzka and Gnabry are going to be shoved out the door, uh, even if they don't really want to go. I think Gretzka and Gnabry have both basically stated that they won't leave and they'll try to prove themselves. But I don't see that happening if their performances continue at this rate. Gnabry obviously has been just absent from the squad for a while. He's still returning from injury. I think Coman will definitely stay. I don't see him leaving anytime soon. But I just don't see Gretzka and Gnabry continuing at the club. Um, I think if the situation stays this way, Matai Zilek will also be looking elsewhere. And that breaks my heart because that, that is my favorite player. It's a player I've modeled myself after a lot. So to see him go would be tragic. I think Alfonso Davies is mentally checked out. According to sources in Spain, he's already agreed terms with Real Madrid. Um, nothing from Germany on that, but nothing um, nothing that's disproven that from Germany either. So it remains to be seen. It's a big toss-up right now. If all of the possible possible number of players were set to leave, actually, the Bayern is not a club that spends a lot of money on transfers. Yes, by bringing Zaragoza in, Bayern has already kind of put a little bit of insurance in place. But I have to ask, who are Bayern going to bring in? And please don't tell me Joao Polina. Well, well, that's, you know, that let's, let's let that be in history for now. But who's Bayern going to bring in? And how much is Bayern really going to be willing to spend, you think? to rebuild because it will essentially turn into a rebuild if so many players leave. I don't think they're going to spend a lot. And you've just given me an an idea for a set of articles now, which I'm definitely going to start writing. That's about 6,000 words of content right there. Um, But 
No, I mean, if, Gna- if Gretzka leaves, I don't see us properly replacing him because the the board will just say, you know, we have Guerrero, Pavlovich, and Limer. We don't really need a replacement. I think probably Ditto for Gnabry because we have, I think, four wingers, even with Gnabry gone. Um, I don't know. Maybe Probably a centre-back. I think we could definitely get someone like Lenny Yoro or even Jean-Claude Todibo if Matthijs Delict were to leave. But I, I don't see the, the club spending beyond what we get from the transfers themselves. I think Bayern has to do everything in their power to keep Matthijs Delict. You don't chase a player down for two seasons. You don't bring him into your club. And he's he was your best defender last season. I'm going to argue that he is the best defender this season. And whoever tells me that's Kim, no, it's not. Kim, this is Kim's first season. It's been... It's been a bit on the inconsistent side. And I like him and I like his no-nonsense approach. But to me, Matthijs Delict is still the best defender at this club as far as central defense is. I think he is the def- defender to define a generation. We've had basically a, a lineage of special defenders, you know, going back to the 70s with Franz Beckenbauer. Then you had, you know, the 80s defenders. You had Franco Baresi. You had Paolo Maldini, obviously coming into the 2000s. Cannavaro, Thiago Silva, Sergio Ramos. Virgil van Dijk, and I think the next evolution in that lineage is Matthias Zilligt. He is this generation's defining defender if he is allowed to flourish, and I don't see that happening under Tuchel. I I really want him to stay because he's a special, special player. In any event, so I guess, like, you know, just rounding off things, my first question to you is, if there is a way to turn this around, what is that way? Like, if there is the smallest hope that this situation can be turned around, how does that come about considering current circumstances? Get Tuchel out. I think we all agree on that. It's the simplest solution. Occam's razor. The simplest solution is often the best one. Get Tuchel out. We need a better coach. We need a coach who implements the fundamentals of Bayern Munich football and not the fundamentals of counterattacking football that just doesn't work with the squad. I think Delict would easily become... I mean, we saw it. Under Nagelsmann, Delict was the best defender in the world, even under Tuchel. And that was down to the fact that he just ignored what Tuchel was saying and did his own thing. He'd take shots from 40 yards, score, and then do a goal line clearance one minute later. I wish I was joking about that. That's actually what happened in the Union Berlin game last season. But uh, there's, I, there does just doesn't seem to be any better solution than that, right? Is there any other solution than that? I think there is probably one. And that is, this is never going to happen. But Tuchel has basically come out and said that he's not going to resign, which is just borderline. I can't find a better word than pathetic right now. So I'm just going to go with it. Borderline pathetic to me. But if Tuchel stays in today, he did not actually blame the players for the defeat, I think, or at least not yet. Um, I don't think any situation is completely beyond repair. This is as close as it gets. I think he could actually try to mend his relationships with the players. If he stays defiant the way that he has been, continues benching people just because he wants to. This is the second red card that Opa Meccano has collected in two games. And I feel for Opa Meccano because he was just coming back from injury. There was no need to play him against Lazio. But he decided to do so instead of playing the most obvious solution. And um, yeah. Now, Upamecano will miss a collection of games because of two red cards under his uh, under his belt. But I think Tuchel can still salvage it using, I guess, Muller as his main person in the dressing room. And you know what? He did himself no favors by benching Muller excessively over a long period of time. And now that he has to rely on Muller, it's almost like he has to swallow his own pride here. But 
if Tuchel wants to stay on and he wants to fight, then he really needs to swallow his pride and he needs to go back to the 4-2-3-1. It can happen. Will a guy like Tuchel do it? I don't know. But I know that at PSG, you know, he he had to swallow his ego a little bit to work with guys like Neymar and Mbappe and all that. So I don't know. But if he just, just, just for a second, just tries to believe in the squad, just starts believing in the squad or showing that he believes in them, there might be the smallest hint of a turnaround. Do I think this will happen? Absolutely not. Nothing about Tuchel has shown so far that he's willing to sacrifice his ego for the good of the team. To me, Tuchel has screamed, I am bigger than Bayern Munich because of the way that he was hired. He's not. And he's not going to be. No culture player is ever going to be. But by just disliking his squad to the extreme and showing nothing but disdain toward his squad, he has made it clear that he thinks he's above them. And if Sky's reports are true and what he said against Leverkusen, which we covered about having to stoop down to the players' levels, is true, then there you go. There's no more bigger egotistical statement that has come from Tupel than that one. Um, in terms of the general direction of the club, I just I feel like Max Eberl coming in is really, really important because he's a traditional Bundesliga guy and he's a former Bayern guy. And he understands this club really, really well. If there's anybody who can somehow manage to keep the players who are trying to, you know, escape the club as soon as they can and would literally leave tomorrow if given the chance, he could he could do it. Other than that, unless Tuchel just swallows his pride, I don't see any any coming back from this. And the sorry state that Bayern is now is so much down to the board. Just imagine three years ago, in 2021, this team was bulldozing everybody in February. Around this period, Bayern went behind eight times, uh, went down, went behind in nine games and actually won eight of them. Very, very convinced. That showed a level of team spirit that is just impossible to find in this team because a goal is basically a death sentence to this team. And I know the players are not free of blame, but I just I just completely really dislike this argument. I'm gonna ask you your thoughts on this, Siler, too, that they're multimillionaires and so they should just, you know, swallow swallow it. There's a set of words that I don't want to use here and go out and play. But human beings essentially have feelings and if you don't believe in your players you're not going to get very good results this has been a trend at Bayern Munich for so long coaches who have not believed in their teams Nico Kovac let's not forget have eventually gotten booted I think Nico Kovac actually chose to resign because players are human beings and they need their manager's trust it's a tough business it's a tough game to be in it's a tough club to play for and especially when you are not rewarded, like Matisse Tell has not been rewarded. Matthijs de Ligt has not been rewarded. Muller, after all these years of service, was just left on the bench till Tuchel needed a reliable leader on the pitch. That says so much right there. Just the, the direction in which this club has headed in the past couple of years, it's just it's mind boggling about what is happening. And if they choose to stay with Tuchel, I feel like it's almost telling the squad that, guess what? We don't believe in you. This guy who who basically plays all these crazy sets of tactics and can't get the best out of you, we believe in him more and we believe in his ideas more than we believe in you. So I guess let me turn it to you, Siler, and let me ask you, do you think our players are too fragile or do you think it is important for the manager to put his faith in them? so that they can show what they're capable of. I hate to answer it like this because I've pretty much answered 
all of these questions like this. But again, it is both, unfortunately. The players, I think, are fragile mentally. Um, there's definitely problems, especially with the quote-unquote leadership board and the way it was meant to pass down from Müller and Neuer to Kimmich and Goretzka. Just doesn't seem like it's going to happen the way it was meant to because Kimmich and Goretzka are not as resilient mentally as previously thought. At least Kimmich is not as resilient mentally as previously thought. But Tuchel's done a horrible job with trying to get the squad behind an idea because he's recognized that the squad does not believe in his ideas. And instead of trying to extend the olive branch out, not only for performance, but for morale and try and find a middle ground, he's just entrenched himself further in his own head. And it shows because there's a clear disconnect between the coaching and the players. So I just don't see it happening in the long term. I think the players are not ready to play for Tuchel. And I think Tuchel is not ready to coach the players. There's a dissonance and a fracture at the very core of the club structurally. And that has to change immediately. It seems like every time that Bayern is on the brink of just having sustained success, they kind of shoot themselves in the 2013. I remember this and I will have to, it still it still bugs me a little bit to say that. I know Pep Guardiola was on the market and I know that he had agreed terms with Bayern. But to I think the news came out six months before the end of the season that Guardiola was going to become coach and then you Pankis goes and wins everything. Guardiola comes in, tries to implement his own style and things go inevitably wrong against Real Madrid in the Champions League. This is not to say that Guardiola was not successful at Bayern. He was and he did a lot of good things and he bought in Joshua Kimmich. That was one of the, his guys. And if Bayern played some really good football under Pep, but it's it sometimes like I think that team would have been better off if Heinkes had wanted to stay with one more season under Heinkes. That was, I think, a decision made too fast before before they saw what the outcome of the season with Heinkes would be. But I guess when Pep's on the market, you have to go for him. That's fine. But what happened with Flick? Like Bayern had a good shot at sustained period of success. And yes, Flick left the club of his own volition, but his disputes with Salihamidzic were pretty public. And just moving forward from there, losing faith in Nagelsmann a little too early. And in fact, the time to fire Nagelsmann would have been the end of the first season, not the second season, when things had gone haywire with Villarreal and results had not turned out the way that they should have been. When things were trending upwards, that's when ironically Bayern decided to fire him. But with all of this, it leaves us in a very somber place, in a very bad place, because that's three defeats on the trot with the fourth one probably coming against RB Leipzig. And it is very difficult to expect a different outcome against Leipzig. Any final thoughts from you, Siler? Tuchel out. <laughs> I think that's... I don't know if there's anybody in the fan base who is speaking differently about this. I, I can't think of anybody. There but is. If there is. There is? There is. There is. Okay. There is. There is. Please check Byron Twitter. Or don't, actually. Don't. I go on there to check I'm Mia San Mia and I'm flooded with the most brain dead takes. Um, yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up then. <laughs> Brian Turner. I'm probably asking everybody to get rid of the entire squad with no knowledge of the fact that it takes money and time to build an entire squad. But here we are. So on that note, everybody, thank you for listening to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Wars. This was the flagship show. You were with me, Samrin, and with Siler, uh, you can find us all at Bavarian Football Works, of course. You can find us, uh, you can find some of our writers on Twitter. Siler, where can they find you? 
they can find me at CYL3R, which is needlessly complicated to spell out, but I promise it's more understandable in text. I see. Yes. Okay. You can find Siler there. And be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works, at The Barrel Blog, at TommyAdam71, at BFWN, and more. I don't think today came to a decent conclusion for just about any of us, but we'll leave it at that. And of course, we'll keep the podcast coming. We'll keep the articles coming. Siler, like he mentioned, has a 6,000 word pieces planned in his mind. Again, thank you for listening and enjoy your night.